0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another edition of the 24 7 Sports football recruiting podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is another loaded episode for us as we kick off this week. We've got big news out of elite edge rusher Cyrus Moss. He's a four-star prospect out of Las Vegas Bishop Gorman. He dropped a top five of Arizona State, Clemson, Florida, Notre Dame, and Oregon. And he joins us here on this show to discuss those five schools and breaks down his recruiting process. We will also catch up with Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, to discuss Rutgers landing four-star quarterback Gavin Wimsett out of the state of Kentucky, giving them their fourth four-star in this 2022 class. Please remember to rate, review, and follow wherever you find this podcast. Give us those five-star reviews. Drop a question in that review for a chance to have it answered on an upcoming Mailbag episode. There's a ton of content over at 24/7 sports from a busy, busy weekend on the recruiting trail. Got notes and news, recruiting buds from the Under Armour camp stop in Ohio. Greg Biggins caught up with one of the top uncommitted quarterbacks in the country, A.J. Duffy, who was on the road taking an unofficial visit to Florida State for the Seminoles spring game. Andrew Ivins was down at the Pylon 7-on-7 tournament in Orlando and so much more. So make sure you head over to 24-7 Sports for all the latest news on your favorite college football team. Before we get to Cyrus Moss and Brian Doan, let's begin with the kickoff. According to Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, the NCAA recruiting dead period might finally be over as the summer approaches. We've been waiting for this announcement for quite a while. It's been over a year since recruits have been able to take visits to campuses and meet with coaches in person. But it does sound like beginning on June 1st, recruits and their families will finally be able to hit the road and check out schools in person, meet with staff and actually connect face-to-face something that hasn't happened, like I said, for over a year. The effect could be very interesting, not only because recruits will finally be able to visit campuses and, and meet with coaches But I think there's going to be a lot of activity. We're going to get into it a little bit more with Brian Doan in the second segment, but I'm expecting commitments. I'm expecting recruits to really jump on on a school that they fall in love with early on. I think it's going to have a, a very interesting effect heading into the summer. One of those recruits, Cyrus Moss, one of the top edge rushers in the country, is going to be hitting the road and checking out some of these schools for the first time. I caught up with him in Las Vegas this past weekend during the National Preps Showcase and he broke down the five schools. So let's send it over to the audio of that conversation from over the weekend. Hope you enjoy. With elite edge rusher Cyrus Moss out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. We are at the National Preps Showcase in Vegas and he just Named a final five of ASU, Oregon, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Florida. So you got a a nice little eclectic mix there, Cyrus. How hard was it to narrow it down from an 11? Obviously, you had over two dozen offers, but to narrow it down from an 11 to five and now to focus on these five heading into your officials.
2: From the 11 to 5, honestly, I at first thought it was going to be a little bit harder than it was I kind of felt these five schools they kind of just gave off a different feeling and I just I felt right when I was talking to them amongst all different aspects so they kind of just started to stand out and so it was a little bit easier of a decision but now I can tell going going ahead with these five is going to be pretty challenging and it's
1: going to come down to
2: pretty small stuff to be able to compare such five uh, great schools to go
1: to. Right and I know it was difficult they've had a lot of choices let's start alphabetically because fans I know I'm sure gonna start to read into it if we go and you know if we start on one so let's start alphabetically let's let's put that out there this is alphabetic order Arizona State you went out to visit to see a game as well how big has that staff I know their NFL development their NFL connections is a big reason why the Sun Devils are high on your list how hard have they been recruiting you since they joined that that offer list really early on
2: yeah well that was the thing they wanted to jump on early on and they told me you know they're they're gonna be recruiting me from the beginning and that's what they've done I've been able to build a great great Relationship with Coach Pierce and a bunch of other people on the staff, Coach Edwards, Coach Rod. There's a bunch of uh, guys out there, so yeah, it's, it's been great, and I've I've loved being able to coach from them, and I still remember going out there to their camps and
1: talking to them and stuff like that. It's the closest school too. When you think about those five, how big of a factor is that in in the way you look at the Sun Devils and the opportunity to maybe play a little closer to Vegas?
2: I would say it's not it's not as big of a problem for me. I mean, or as big of a um, benefit. I kind of am up to, you know, wherever the best fit's going to be. I take location as like a kind of like a benefit as a plus. So that would be, you know, of course, that's a cool thing. You have your parents nearby or whatever, but I'm up to whatever. So if that's the best fit and it's close or far, you know, that's all I'm
1: Right, I I know Coach Edwards has kind of been turning that program around since he arrived and you mentioned Coach Pierce and and his relentless uh, pursuit of you and and the way he recruits you. What what position have they seen you filling and, and what kind of role do you see yourself playing if you were to end up at ASU?
2: Coach Pierce likes to call it the X-factor position, and it's a position where he moves you around and he just kind of puts you and allows you uh, to make plays. So he just puts you in different spots and different roles, different formations and different blitzes and stunts to try to maximize you and put you in different drops and different things to try to improve your draft stock and just improve your ability to make plays so he puts his players that he thinks have a skill set to do different stuff in in positions called x-factor positions so gonna be off the edge of course same
1: similar stuff dropping in the coverage and
2: similar 3-4 outside
1: linebacker, but he will move it around a little bit. Right, moving on in alphabetic order to, to Clemson to school, you haven't been able to get out to in person, but I know you've had a lot of virtual meetings and Zoom calls and things like that with that staff, and obviously their NFL development speaks for itself as well. How, how big is Clemson in your mind even the, even though you have never been able to, to get out there?
2: Yeah, not being able to get out there uh, is unfortunate, but like you said, I've done lots of meetings and Zooms, so I felt like I've been able to really meet them pretty well just like this they've yeah they've got a really well built program you can see why they've been so successful because every program every department or whatever that I spoke to each one was so professional and so well you know set up and just passionate about what they're doing and their job you know every last person so yeah they've they've got they've got a great setup and I've, I've enjoyed them
1: and they don't recruit the west coast very often i mean it takes a special player for them to kind of exert some of that energy how much does that mean to you just knowing how prior how much of a priority you are to to that staff and for them to come all the way out to the west coast to you know to pursue you
2: it's definitely an honor and yeah coach explained that to me and they even outside the west coast are just picky with who who they offer because they want to make sure that you that you align with their program in many many ways and one they want to make sure you're academically you're going to push yourself to excellence They graduate their guys they push them to that 4.0 they push them to that honor roll so they're looking for guys that are going to fit academically of course on the field as a person they like to get to know you build a relationship and make sure you're a type of person that will fit with Their values and their types of things like that. So it's an honor,
1: just as you know, as an athlete, as a student, and as a person. We're joined by elite edge rusher Cyrus Moss out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. Where can our listeners follow you on on social media? On Twitter at the Cyrus Moss, and then Instagram at Cyrus Moss. That's Cyrus C Y R U S. Moving on to Florida, the only SEC school on this list for your final five. Another school you haven't been able to get out to yet, but I know you you plan to get out there for. official what's the relationship been like with with coach mullen that whole staff and and kind of what they're building there
2: yeah and that's one thing i will be taking my uh five official visits to those these top five schools um real quick but uh Coach Mullen, yeah, it's, it's been great. He um, he jumps in on the Zooms um, with the position coaches and stuff like that. So that's great to be able to meet the head coach and just kind of talk with him. And he's got lots of knowledge and you can tell he's, you know, he's passionate about what he does. And, you know, he seem like a guy that's going to kind of tell it to you real and tell you, you know, what you need to hear and what you need to fix, you know. Seem like a
1: real good guy. Yeah, and I'm told there's an isolation role that they have kind of pitched to you as well in, in that defense as an edge guy that can really get after the quarterback and and, and and be kind of a force to be reckoned with off the edge there.
2: Yeah, Coach, he showed me, you know, they got... I forget the stats now, but I know I think it was double-digit sacks to some extent over the last 10 years, along with 10 out of 10 of his uh, uh, edge guys going to the NFL. So, yeah, they're they're saying, you know, you can fill that position that's been filled and has been dominant for 10
1: years yeah notre dame uh, also in that five and the fighting irish have some connections at bishop gorman previously obviously having some some famous alum that that have played there and i know that program is is, has been high on your list for for quite some time probably not one of the surprises to make this top five because of kind of how much you've liked them throughout the process since they offered how big are you with with them and and kind of meeting with them consistently and, and hearing their pitch yeah
2: it's interesting having different connections and being able to talk with coach Fertitta and kind of hear his experiences and what he thought of all of it it's been it's been amazing being recruited by them they were kind of earlier on too it was with coach Elston for a while and then uh, coach Leah who ended up going on to I believe it was was it Vanderbilt I believe now I'm meeting with coach Freeman and that's been amazing he's he's just a, just a great guy all around love talking with him Yeah, it's it's been good. We've done Zooms, we've done scheme Zooms, we've done Zooms where we just talk. Stuff about strength and conditioning, and yeah, I love, love it.
1: Yeah, among these schools, I mean, it seems like Notre Dame's tradition, right, and prestige, and kind of that history is probably the best one among all these five schools. How much of a role does that play into it? Just knowing what they've done in the past, the academic appeal of it all, and, and kind of that that whole connection base there. Yeah, Coach
2: Freeman, he pushes that, that the Notre Dame degree means just something a little bit different, and it definitely seems to be so because once you you know, you look at you look at the world leaders, you look at. Different different connections here and there and coach shows me different stuff you're like you know yeah you, know, you can see Notre Dame is really well represented as far as world leaders NFL and just all that different type of stuff so it, it's it's obvious that definitely are held to you know different standard, and they, they mean something out there.
1: Last but not least Oregon the Ducks uh, also make the top five in the fifth school here alphabetically another school you haven't been to I mean ASU is the only one you've been to right among these five? Yep I believe so. I mean, the next time you get to Eugene will be the first time you get to Eugene. But how comfortable are you with that staff? I know Coach Avalos is now at, at Boise State. You had developed a really good relationship with him early on. But Coach Cristobal and, and, and you know, that whole staff and what they do, uh, especially within the West region, kind of speaks for itself as well.
2: I, l- I loved Coach Arroyo as he moved on. But then uh, as Coach DeRitter came in, I had already been speaking with him at Cal. So it was honestly just, okay, now you're wearing a different color. We just went from there. So it was it a was really easy transition with him because I had already, already known them, had a relationship. So.
1: You know, Oregon, especially out west with a lot of recruits, you hear the term dream school being thrown out a lot, right, because of all the success that they had under Chip Kelly, you know, the, the, the jerseys, the uniforms. But beyond that, what they've done on the field, you know, the last few years, Justin Herbert, you know, being a, a high draft pick and what they're doing along the defensive line and um, all that. Uh, you know, in, in terms of Oregon, what's an appeal to you? What, what, what makes them one of these five schools?
2: they always have had that swag and had those jerseys and uniforms and facilities and other stuff I watched when I was a little kid but yeah like you said now they're they're doing something serious and some you know that's not just some swag they've got you know, some defense coming in there they've got flow and they've also got No Sewell so they're adding pieces on that defense they've got Kayvon Thibodeau so they're doing something serious down there for sure. Yeah,
1: these are guys these are all guys you saw on the camp circuit too early on and, and kind of what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball what's the the role that they envision you in it is it kind of of a Kayvon Thibodeau role?
2: Yeah, it's a real similar Kayvon Thibodeau role. They're going to tweak it a little bit, and with, now with Coach Deruder, probably as well. But basically, yeah, it's that same same role.
1: Right, so moving on, the next step for you is to take these official visits. We're hoping obviously that the recruiting debt period is lifted in June. Have you scheduled anything? Or do you want to break any news here on, on the podcast?
2: Yeah, well, I'm working, working to schedule them right now. Definitely going to try to take a bunch in June, and then I'm going to take a couple during the season as well. I'm thinking I'm going to do, yeah, we'll see We'll see what I'm doing as far as scheduling-wise, but I'm going to do all five schools for sure. The top five are going to be official visits at some point, definitely either during the summer or during the
1: season. Right, so he wants to get out on the road in the summer and early in the season before making a decision. When you do hit the road, when you do take some of these trips, well, what are some things you're going to be looking for? Because I know you've started to develop those relationships, you've had the Zoom calls, you've had the meetings, you've been able to build some of these connections with the coaches, but when you get on these campuses, is there something that you'll be looking for anything that you're gonna be kind of you know searching for in these in these schools
2: honestly I think I'm just gonna to try to see how do I feel because I've already done the zooms where we talked about what position do I need to be in we talked about what you guys offer at your facility we've talked about what jersey combinations you have we, you know we've talked about it all and I know you know all this about schools so I'll just be kind of coming there and be like oh you know okay I see you know how that works so I remember you telling me about this and just kind of feeling, how does it feel? Do I feel like I could come here? Do I feel like, do I feel like this is my school? Do I feel welcome here? Does this feel like a good environment? Do I, you know, on the campus or you know, on the campus? I just, how do I feel there? You know what I mean? Just kind of feel thing.
1: Right. So that's Cyrus Moss. He's an elite edge rusher from Las Vegas. Bishop Gorman has a final five of ASU, Oregon, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Florida. For all the latest on Cyrus Moss, make sure you stay locked in at 24-7 Sports. We'll break down the final five. We'll break down what he thinks about all the jersey combinations. And we'll look ahead uh, into his senior season. Thank you so much, Cyrus, for joining us. And and remind our listeners, again, where they can find you on social media, where you will be, you know, kind of documenting some of these trips.
2: Yep. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I will be definitely posting on there i'll be posting on twitter at the cyrus moss and instagram at Cyrus.moss. that's
1: c-y-r-u-s-m-o-s-s all right so that was cyrus moss one of the top path rushers in the country breaking down his five schools we're going to be back with brian doan more here on the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast
0: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you march
1: madness and the masters may be over but the sports calendar never sleeps the nhl trade deadline daily nba nhl and mlb action the rbc heritage tournament nfl draft news and rumors the uefa quarterfinals we got champions league and your home to stay in front of it all That would be CBS Sports HQ. It's the only sports news stream service that's completely free. How do you watch CBS Sports HQ? Well, it's easy. It's available for free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via the CBS Sports apps. Or if you're more of a YouTube person, subscribe to CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all the latest sports news videos on demand. Personally, I never, ever miss a big sports story because I turn it on the first thing in the morning and leave it on all day while I'm working. And I'll leave you with this. If you're a sports news junkie like me, no sports network is faster with breaking news than CBS Sports HQ. Our next guest, I know probably tuned out the moment i mentioned the uefa quarterfinals and that would be champions league he is national recruiting analyst brian doan also known as our u.s men's national team resident expert and uh, a diehard liverpool supporter brian how are we
3: i mean i was doing great you know had a good weekend at seven on seven saw some kids you know got to see some talent and then i got to listen to you listen it's great you know uh watching all that stuff because because obviously i i do while i work during Today, day but then you start bringing up UEFA for champions league and I got a deal with Liverpool which was just god-awful against Real Madrid in the first leg of theirs they're down three to one I mean you're, you're watching it's like watching you know U10 give the ball away for goals and man way to ruin my mood
1: <laughs> so they got that away goal, and for the listeners, the listeners that might not understand, there's an away goal rule where if there is a tie at at the end of both matches in regulation, whoever scored the most away goals advances. So Liverpool did get one away goal against Real Madrid.
3: Yeah, so so for they, if, they so lost if three to one. If Liverpool wins 2-0, they advance. They advance. because, they, because and, that's du- up- and
1: that's doable.
3: It's very, well, I mean, in theory it is, but have you seen Allison and Goal, and have you seen their defense play this season? I mean, is it doable? Yeah. Is it expected? No. You know what's expected? <laughs> the only way they're advancing is like 4-1 or 5-2 right? Because, oh, geez, you get me started.
1: Thank goodness the galaxy starts soon. (laughs) Well, speaking of expected or, or maybe unexpected in that regard... How about Rutgers? They have the number six class in the composite team rankings for the 2022 group. They just landed four-star quarterback, Gavin Wimsat. And, and shout out to our podcast producer, Lance Glenn, diehard Rutgers fan and an alum. And he's been asking me, hey, when are you going to talk Rutgers? When are you going to, you know, when are you? And I, and I was like, hey, man, we'll, we'll do it organically. They're, they're on the rise right now. They're doing some big things. I know you're very close to kind of what happens there at Rutgers in terms of the recruiting. How do you kind of put this into words, what they've been able to accomplish so far in this 2022 recruiting cycle?
3: Yeah. Yeah. First, my shout out's going to Steve Wolfong on this one, because he was about a month ahead of everybody else with his crystal ball pick on WIMPSat going to Rutgers. And, you know, so so kudos to to Steve again on that one. But how do I look at, I mean, you know, in the world of Rutgers, the discussion for the last eight years was always, you always knew Greg could recruit. You knew he he could develop players cuz he did it when he was you know the big east and and all that stuff but the question around rutgers you know for their faithful as they as they suffered through Kyle Flood and Chris Ash was what would have happened if Greg Schiano stayed and had the backing of you know the finances that are involved with the big 10 and the big 10 name to go with it and i think you're starting to see that for them i wrote something after it after wimpsat Committed that he's probably the most important commit of Shiano's college coaching career in the sense that, listen, he's from Kentucky. So it's not like, hey, he's local who grew up loving Rutgers and all that stuff. He is really talented. You you just look, he's a top 100 quarterback, number three dual threat. And so when you hear he's going to Rutgers, you're like, wait, what? And so if you look at what they've done in their recruiting class, you know, especially. Listen, it's still a rebuild, right? This doesn't mean that all of a sudden they've arrived. But their offensive line last year was horrific. Their quarterback play was, I mean, it was the typical game manager to the nth degree where the quarterback wasn't going to make the big play. And you just hope it didn't hurt him and you, you got enough turnovers or something happened. So if you look at what they did in this recruiting class, you know, they had four offensive linemen committed already. They had a trio of receivers committed already, including a four-star out of Florida, had a running back committed. He's a four-star out of Pennsylvania, Samuel Brown. The receiver is Amarian Brown. And so what do you what did they need? They needed a quarterback. And it became even more imperative because they did not take a quarterback in the 21 class. They went for Jack Cohn, the Wisconsin transfer in the offseason, and he wound up going to Notre Dame, which made sense. He was, I mean, shoot, at one time he was committed to Notre Dame as a lacrosse player. So they they needed to land a high level quarterback. And so they did that. And so you're like, okay, that's the missing piece that they needed in this class and that they need for this program.
1: And it's a big one heading into what looks like the end of the dead period in a couple months. Obviously the, the NCA is, has yet to officially lift the, the the dead period, but you start kind of building on this, if you're Rutgers, right. With a number six class so far four four-star prospects, WIMSAT's already, you know, on board as, as kind of the face of, of that class. Number two among big 10 schools, we're not saying they're going to finish there. We're not saying they're going to kind of maintain this level at as a top 10 national class, but to do it heading into the summer gives you a lot of momentum and it gives them something to sell to other recruits that might eventually get on campus.
3: Yeah. And and I think this is something that you look at beyond the 2022 class, right? I mean, you look and I could see them still getting another offensive lineman and they're in the thick of it for top two, four, seven offensive tackle, Jacob Allen, you know, they're looking for a tight end or looking for another receiver, You know, their two defensive commitments are both four stars, Anthony Johnson and Kenny Fletcher. So for me, you look at it and you say, geez, that's how you build it. But it goes beyond 22. You get these kids on campus, you know, the 23s and the 24s, and you can tell them, hey, here's your quarterback of the future kind of deal. And so it just gives them a lot of really good, positive momentum to build off of, especially, you know. If you can get kids on campus, if you can have, from people I talked to, I I don't think we're going to see the 500 person camps, but I think we're going to see, you know, some level of camps where you can work kids out for. And the way Rutgers built a very good 21 class was they got all their kids on campus before the pandemic hit and then got them committed. And if you look at what they've done in the 22 class, a healthy number of them made unofficial visits before the pandemic hit. A couple others came on campus with the self guided tours. But yeah, this this helps you. I mean, you need a quarterback. That's what they're missing. And, and they get that quarterback here.
1: We're joined by Brian Doan. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan 247. He's a national recruiting analyst for 247 sports. You were on the road this past weekend, Brian. You were in Philadelphia or just outside? Concha Hawking. Concha Hawken, PA. How, how many times did, did it take you to get that one right?
3: I don't know. The first time I've done it, I mean, I've been there so many times, and you know, you know it, and it's kind of one of those fun places to say. So, but the first time, your first time I went there, which was probably thirty years ago, you're like, "Wait, what's the name of it?" What? <laughs> and, and you can't believe that it's actually named that. But yes, it is right near, right near Coatesville. To be honest with you, a little bit away from Coatesville, which uh, I'm sure people. No, you know, Rip Hamilton or, you know, close to lower Marion, which is, you know, Kobe Bryant territory. So,
1: yeah, it's yeah. it's a fun place to go. Yeah. And you were there for the PA Swag 7-on-7 tournament, which included and featured a, a trio of Penn State commits. It did. And it featured lots of rain, too. So that was fun. <laughs> but, uh
3: yeah, I mean... You know, Blair, we, we talk about these kids all the time on, on the rankings calls and everything, but the chance to see these kids live for the first time in a long, long time and, you know, you look at Anthony Ivey, the receiver out of Mannheim, PA, and he was just fantastic. He's got a great build. He's one of those kids that the second he steps on a college campus, he's going to be physically ready to play. He was a really good route runner, just really enjoyed watching him, which you'll hear me talk all about on our rankings call on Wednesday. And I got to see him Makai Flowers, who, you know, again, just a a tremendous player. You know, I think receiver safety, I I really liked him as a receiver. He moved well. Again, a Central Pennsylvania kid who just has the ability to explode out of a break and create separation. Now, during his junior season, he was Mr. Playmaker. I mean, he made every play possible for his high school team, even when everybody knew he was getting the ball. And you see those skills again in the seven-on-seven setting. And look, I... I'm one of the first ones to say, you know, don't get carried away with the 7-on-7 star. It's what you do in pads that matters most. But when you see him move in person in the 7-on-7 scene... It's really something that you, you look at and you say, okay, that makes sense with how he plays. You know, on on Fridays or Saturdays, whenever their games are during the season, just moves really well. Good ball skills, and then the other one, a bit of a surprise because he played a game. You know, Philadelphia is still playing games right now, and he played a game Friday night, and and then Ken Talley from from Philly Northeast shows up on Sunday to the event, and you know, I'm going to go see Northeast play in a couple weeks, so I'll really get to see Ken in, in pads and everything. But the thing that really stood out to me was you know there were always questions about his size how big is he and and again he's committed to penn state as a d lineman and it was does he have the length and size and and after seeing him in person yeah i mean he's he's there at 6'3 235 you know there were some concerns about is he 6'1 you know maybe 6'2 but he's Definitely, you know, he, he's a six-three kid who still has a chance to grow more. And he didn't do a lot because you know he's a defensive end who decided to play some slot receiver and they lined him up wide and 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 did a little things with my defense. But you did get to see him move a little bit, and you saw some of the quickness with his first step for a kid that size. But I think most importantly, when you're talking about Ken Talley, and I know you know looking at at our Penn State site at Lions two four seven, you know I posted a picture of the three of them together and and. It didn't take long for the to thread to turn into. Hey, is he a legit six three? Is he is he that size? And and I think you know he
1: does check out with that size. To read more about those Penn State commits, make sure you check over twenty four seven sports. If you want to find out more about Rutgers and their rise in the rankings right now, also head over to twenty four seven sports. Obviously, Brian, you know th- this is you know kind of um, we're we're entering a period where I think a lot of the optimism and a lot of the antsiness that that we've dealt with for over a year now is coming to an end, it appears like. What do you anticipate the dead period ending to be like heading into the summer? Do you feel like it's going to be just kind of a a free for all in terms of, of visits? How do you see things being kind of played out heading into the summer? I'm really curious to see if they allow official visits.
3: And the reason I say that is official visits to school controls everything. They control the transportation to the campus. They control the hotel. They control the meals. And if you look at what does the CDC say, say, try to avoid, you know, eating together, you know, socializing in close quarters, you know, all the stuff that goes on in an official visit. And now you're putting kids and families at risk for that. If you do an unofficial visit where you're not allowed to do as much, I could actually see it going that way because that also takes the responsibility away from the school because now the kids and their families are responsible for transportation if they choose to stay overnight lodging and you can't sit there and eat meals with the team or the coaches. And so it takes the pressure off there. So I want to see exactly what it looks like, but I'll say this, if they allow unofficial visits, see the official visits, coaches can handle that because you can only, you know, you invite X number. And so you can kind of keep it down. If they only allow unofficial visits, I think it'll be a free for all. I think if they allow both, it'll be a free for all. And I'm really curious on the programs that plan on bringing 10 plus kids in per weekend. How do you keep them that separated and safe? So I'm, I'm really curious to see what the NCAA does. Knowing the NCAA, they'll make that announcement known,
1: you know, May 30th at about 4.30 p.m. <laughs> well, we yeah, we've got about six to seven weeks for everything to kind of get sorted out. and Yeah, the, and the NCAA always does such a great job of keeping mm-hmm. everybody informed and, and doing what's best for the student. They have that reputation of being, <laughs> you know, student first. The thing I, I'm expecting is... I'm actually thinking that there's gonna be a lot of commitments because you you think about it, you think about all these players, these recruits, their families that have not been able to meet with coaches in person. It's gonna be like going into a toy shop and and looking and going to that first style, and you're like, this is the toy that I want. I just feel like everyone's gonna kind of fall in love with that first school they get to. It's been forever since they were able to experience that.
3: that that's right. And and I think you hit it perfectly. You know, I don't think there's gonna be many kids that get to aisle like six or seven.
1: I don't know I don't know how you deal with your kids or how you dealt with them when you were at the toy store I, I don't have any, but when I, I remember being taken to the toy store and they'd be like, oh, you can pick one right you can choose one and I'd usually just choose the first thing I saw that I liked but then I realized, oh man like the 10th aisle had this other thing that I really wanted. And, and so I, that's kind of the way I'm looking at this. I feel like these recruits have waited forever. Some might, might never have taken visits before, right? They're, they're young enough that they haven't been able to go out and get recruited. And I'm just anticipating a, a lot of commitments on on kind of our timelines.
3: Not only that, but I mean, so these kids are making their first visits. And you know that first or second official visit weekend when they're talking to the coaches during that weekend and they're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to Georgia next week or I'm going to Bama or A M or Ohio State or Penn State next week. Coach is going to be like, hey, listen, you know, you, you do what you need to do, but we don't have a lot of scholarships this year. And there's no guarantee that this scholarship is going to be there for you next weekend because we have prospect A, B and C also coming yeah, 10 in. And other
1: guys coming in on. But, campus. And,
3: but we wanted you on campus first because you're our first choice. Know and then of course at the end it'll be you know the kids that visit campus the last weekend. We wanted you on campus last because you're our first choice, so you can see everybody, (laughs) so you can see all the other schools and realize we're the best. And that's what that's why we set up for you that way. But I mean, so you're gonna have that, and then you're also gonna have the pressure of, hey, by the way, since the NCA does such a great job of looking out for the student athlete they still haven't told us how many scholarships we have for 22. So we have to operate like we're only going to have 85. And so by the way, we're probably going to have a class that's about 13 to 16 players this year. So you really need to get on board.
1: A lot of interesting dynamics in play heading into what looks like the end of the dead period and the start of campus visits. Brian Doan, I really appreciate you hopping on. I know it's been a big weekend for you and it's going to be a big week for you heading into uh, what looks like the UEFA quarterfinals matchup at Anfield, Liverpool, Real Madrid. Give us a prediction. I know you you love your 30 seconds of soccer talk. This is This is your time to shine. If they actually allowed fans in, I'd say
3: Liverpool had a great chance to advance through. I think Liverpool's burnt out from winning Champions League. Two years ago, from winning the league for the first time in 30 years last year, they've been decimated with injuries, especially in the back. I think it's going to be one of those where it's going to be a tie, like one-one or two-two, and I think that they're they're done, and let's start looking toward maybe getting to secure a spot for Champions League next year and kind of retooling. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not hopeful, but I'm always uh,
1: optimistic. Man, that was dreadful. Oh, you you're you're depressing already. I mean, you're the
3: one who brings it. I mean, they're terrible. (laughs) Come on. I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, their goal scorers can't score goals. Their, Their back line can't keep the ball out of the net. Their goalie, who last year was the best in the world, you know, looks like he's playing like U8 rec goalie sometimes with some of the mistakes being made. You're like, what are we doing here?
1: Wow! Wow! All right. Well, that's Brian know. Doan. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan two four seven. He's a national recruiting analyst for twenty four seven Sports. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. For all the latest on Rutgers and Penn State and all the other prospects that we were able to see this past weekend, head on over to twenty four seven Sports. That'll do it for this show. Make sure you check back later this week for another episode of the twenty four seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.